listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Good morning, Vintage Church. How's everybody doing? Ain't Matt sweet? He's something else, ain't he? Oh, me. Uh, the prophet Elijah. Man, how many of you enjoyed this service, or at least this series we've been in? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Man. I, I, know, I know Matt said this, but, but I too, I, Elijah's probably my favorite prophet in the Bible. I think it's because we're so much alike. Uh, we're a couple of jackleg boneheads. Uh, don't listen too good. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, that Elijah's in the Bible for a lot of reasons. But I know in my life, in my ministry, I know why he's in there for me. Uh, as a constant reminder that I can't do everything. And that more than, more than ever, the closer I feel to God, the more I know I need to lean on him. Amen? And that's what it's all about. Welcome to Vintage Church. I hope uh, that, that if you're here today, you've already been blessed. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you ain't been blessed after listening to that, your blessers broke. Amen? You need to go get fixed, all right? But uh, we're going to dig into the Word. But before we get started, I want to do something. I did this during first service, and, um, man, God just laid it on my heart because, really because of that last song. And we don't take enough time to recognize how good God is. And if you're here today, and it's the first time you have heard about this thing called Jesus or, 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 or church, I want you to know something before you leave, okay, that God is good, Amen. And, and, and I, I really want you to know that. God is good. And we don't celebrate that enough. We don't. And there, there's, there's a, a practice that I feel like has fallen out of a lot of, a lot of churches. And it's called, it's, 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 we're testifying. People testify about God's goodness. I want to tell you a story. Friday, I was supposed to go down to the farm uh, to meet uh, uh, Kenny Ridge. He was going to work on my AC unit down there. And it was about 8.30 and and I was by myself in my truck. I was about halfway there. And I was going over my sermon in my head. I didn't have my notes or anything. I was just talking to God and saying, hey, God, hey, what if I put this here? Or how does this sound? And, and, I, and I actually said these words. And this, you're going to think I'm making this up. This is honest God truth. I said, you know, it's easy to depend on you, God, when everything's going good. But oh, my, how hard it is when things aren't going my way. I said that, and my truck cut off. I coasted to the side of the road. And I looked, really? <laughs> like, where was you at when I said I wish I had a million dollars? Where was that at? I literally said, you know, it's easy to depend on God when things are going your way. But when they're not, <coughs> how easy is it to abandon Him? And my truck cuts off. So I got AAA. I thought, hey, this is good, no worries. So I pick up my phone, I call my wife, I said, hey, I, and it cut off. <laughs> so nine calls later, I was able to finish my sentence. I broke down on the side of the road, called AAA, and let me know what they say. And, and you know, I'm sitting there in my truck, and, and you know, and, and I could feel it. I could feel it starting. Like, you know, 
I wanted to turn into the Incredible Hulk and like smash truck, truck bad, right? You know what I'm talking about? And, and I, I literally, this is no lie, like I looked for somebody to punch. And I was so far in the country, there wasn't nobody to punch. I was sitting there and this pack of dogs come running out. And I about jerked up one of them and punched him in the face. But I, I, I could feel it coming, right? And man, just this, this gentle peace kind of came over me and said, hey man. Remember what you was just saying? I'm about, to, I'm about to prove you on that. So I sat there, and I thought, well, man, I, it took me nine calls to tell my wife where I'm at. What if she can't, what if she can't get a hold of me? I had, I had that meeting at 8.30. I had another meeting back at school at 10. Finally, she texts me, and it comes through, and it says, AAA won't be there until 12.30. You think I'm sweating now? Like I was really sweating then. I was like, God... You know, I'm going to trust you. I'm, I'm going to trust you, God. I can't, I can't fix this truck. I can't fly. There ain't nobody to punch. I'm going to trust you, God. Fifteen minutes later, the tow truck pulled up. And out of it, get, the door opens. You know how AAA is. You call, you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know who it's going to be or anything. If you work for AAA, I'm sorry. That wasn't a knock, okay? I love y'all. Y'all are unbelievable. This, this record pulls up, door opens. The dude gets out. He goes, "Hey, coach." The guy coached football and randomly. I said, "Are you kidding me?" He goes, "Man, I heard the call. They weren't gonna be here at twelve thirty. I heard the name." He said, "I, I decided I was closer. I'd come on and get you." God's good, church. <laughs> yeah, man, God's good. That, that, that's a stupid. That's a stupid truck story, right? Okay, that, that, that only inconvenienced me. But I want you to know, you're going through something today. Some of you are. I know you. I know personally what you're battling, what you're up against. But listen to me. The same message rings true. God is good. Before we get into the text, you know, it's easy for us to, it's easy for us to, to, gloss over that when God shows up in our life. So I want to take just a second. I don't want to belabor this. If you don't feel led to shout, clap, stand up, you may want to stand up and say what God's done in your life. That's up to you. But I just told you what God's done, done in my, my life two days ago. But if God's done something in yours, I want to take just a minute. Maybe you just want to stand up, raise your hand and shout and say God's good. That's fine. I want to take a minute to recognize that. If you got something to say, say it. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Amen. 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 That's awesome. Anybody else? Yes, sir.
Amen. Amen. Hey, church. <laughs> Can I tell you, most churches don't see 27 people baptized in 27 years, and you got to watch them in one night. Fifty-one people have been baptized since we've been in this space. Okay? God is good, church. Hey, church is growing. We're adding a Monday night service. God is good. When people have the courage to stand up and give God the credit, hey, man, hey that's what it's all about. It ain't about us. It's about Him. Amen? All right. I'm going to preach. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. Before we get into the text, uh, I just want to show you, it's easy for us sometimes to think of the people in the Bible, these spiritual avengers, right? They got these superpowers, and, and they're so far removed from us. They're so different than we are. I want to show you what James says about Elijah. James 5, 17. You ain't got to turn there. Just listen. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He was made of the same dust that you and I are made of. But isn't it cool what happens to dust when God gets a hold of it? Don't think of Elijah as this, this hero, this mythical hero that, that has all these superpowers that, that Matt preached on last week, the showdown at Mount Carmel. It's easy to, to read that story and think that Elijah was the hero. He wasn't. He was just a cast member. God's the hero, amen. God's the one that showed up. But Elijah, man, he's such a different cat. You, leave, you, you get through reading 1 Kings 18 and you're on this spiritual high, right? I mean, Matt talked about fueling the fire until the rain comes. And the rain came. Hadn't rained for three and a half years and all of a sudden it starts to pour. And the grass is growing, and the crops are growing, and people have food, and people have water. Ponds are filling back up. Rivers are filling back up. And it's easy to be excited. Can I tell you something, church? Trials start after the triumph. Trials always follow the triumph. And it's 1 Kings 19 that we never see coming. And it's, if we're not careful, if we're not prepared, it can shake and sometimes destroy our faith. And that's what I want to dig into today. Because I want you to know that Elijah on this spiritual high that he's on, he's going to hit a spiritual low. He's going to run. He's going to become exhausted. He's going to become so weak, so depressed, so self-absorbed that he does exactly the opposite of what God asked him to do. And it gets so bad that this once brave prophet, man of God is going to cry out to that same God and say, Oh Lord, take my life. The trials always follow the triumphs, church. And I want you to understand this. But God is in control because God is good. In Psalm 103, this is sitting on the screen. I just want you to listen to it. Psalm 103, verse 13. 
The Bible says this, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows that we are formed and he remembers that we are dust. As a father has compassion. That's how good God is. And my job this morning is not to be a Debbie Downer about the trials. It's to show you that I promise you, you will learn more about God in the trials than you ever do in the triumph. 1 Kings 19. We'll begin at verse 1. The Bible says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Let me give you a little context here. Ahab was king. Now, Ahab had just witnessed God show up. <clears throat> he had just witnessed God show up and, and consume all of the sacrifices that Elijah had, had laid down. He had just watched all the false prophets be killed. And he just watched it begin to rain. Everything Elijah had told him had come true. And so he goes home to his wife. And he tells her everything that's happened. And instead of saying... Hey, Jezebel, look, we, we, uh, we've, been, we've been following the wrong path. We've got to get things straight. Like, th this God's for real. This is the one true God. <clears throat> you know, it hadn't rained in three and a half years, like Elijah said, but now it's raining because God showed up on the mountain. Instead of saying that, he tells, he tells Jezebel what happens, and he sits there. See, Ahab was very weak. He was a weak king. And Jezebel was not only evil, but she was very shrewd. And she looks at Ahab and says, I'll tell you what. I'll make you this promise. That if Elijah's not dead, by this time tomorrow, may the gods kill me instead. Now, I've often wondered about this. You know, Jezebel was the queen. Why, why couldn't she just have sent a, a group of troops to go capture Elijah, Elijah, kill him, and be done with it. Why does she send a message? And why does that message cause Elijah to run? Think about this. I've read this story many times. She had, she had all the power. Her and her husband, they, they could, whatever they said could have, could have happened. They had control over the military. All they had to do was say, hey, go find this guy, bring him here, I'm going to kill him. Jezebel was very smart. And here's why I think she sent a message. Because if she kills Elijah, guess what? He becomes a martyr. And the people have even more reason to trust God. But if she can just remove Elijah from the scene, it's only a matter of time before they go back to doing what they used to do. And so she puts this thread out. Now think about Elijah. He's weak. He's exhausted. 
This was not an easy deal, what he had just encountered up on the mountain. And his soul's been depleted. He probably hasn't had much sleep. He's probably spiritually and emotionally drained. And think about this. When are you at your weakest? I bet if I went around and asked all of you, when do you think you're at your weakest? I bet you 95% of you would say when you're at your lowest point. Right? Makes sense, right? When I'm at my lowest, I'm probably at my weakest. <clears throat> I disagree. I think you're at your weakest right after the victory. Because you never even see it coming. You never even see it coming. That spiritual high has you up here on cloud nine. And you let your guard down. And boom, it happens. You need to know something today, church. Satan is not going to let up on his attack on you until Jesus casts him into the lake of fire. Jesus has already conquered. We've already won. But Satan's not going to let up until he's destroyed. He's not going to. So you have to be on guard. Elijah ran because he couldn't quit listening to the voice of the enemy. That one statement, Elijah, I'm coming, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to kill you. Look at what it says. It says, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. He ran for his life. One statement, I'm coming after you. Church, listen to me. If you allow yourself to listen to the voice of the enemy, it will consume you. It will overpower you. You want to know why your faith is low or why you're on the wrong path? It's because you're listening to the voice of the enemy. You've got to shut that noise off. You've got to shut it off. Let, let me show you what happens when you listen to the voice of the enemy. The first thing that happens is the listen to the voice of the enemy will cause you to retreat from a beaten enemy. It'll cause you to retreat from a beaten enemy. You know, I, I can't help but, but think about like uh, UFC fighting, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Everybody likes to get somebody, watch somebody get punched in the face, right? And, and, and you know, you see it happen a lot of times. Somebody gets punched, they get knocked out, the person stands over, right? Like, and what? Get up, get up, right? They stand over them. You don't see them punch somebody, knock them out, and then jump over the cage and run and go hide, right? That's not normal. It's not normal to do that. You don't retreat from something that you've already beaten. But Elijah does. Elijah won. God showed up. And now he's running for his life. Because he quit listening to God and started listening to the voice of the enemy. Church, listen to me. For three and a half years, Elijah did nothing but listen to the voice of God. He didn't make a move without first listening to what God had to say about it. Not one move. And now, one sentence from the enemy, he's begging for God to kill him. Church, don't listen to the voice of the enemy. You'll retreat from a beaten enemy. The second thing it'll cause you to do is fail at your strongest points. It'll cause you to fail at your strongest points. Hey, listen to me, church. 
Elijah's strongest point was his faith. Was his faith. How many of you for three and a half years have said, you know what? God says, hey, do this and don't do anything for three and a half years till I tell you. Could you handle that? I couldn't. For three and a half years, Elijah didn't do one thing unless God instructed him to, to do it. His faith was his strongest point. But the voice of the enemy, he drops his faith and he runs. Moses, he failed at his strongest point. His strongest point was his meekness, his ability to have self-control. God told him to pray to the rock for water. What did he do? He struck it. And he failed at his faith, at his meekness. He, he, he was listening to the voice of the children of Israel instead of listening to doing what God told him to do. Look at David. His strongest point was his integrity. God says about David, he's a man after my own heart. But what happens? He sees Bathsheba and his integrity flies out the door. Look at Peter. Peter's biggest strength was his courage. He's the man that God called on the day of Pentecost to preach the message of Jesus Christ. But when his courage was tested, he denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times, even knowing him. Church, when you listen to the voice of the enemy, you will retreat from a beaten enemy and you will fail at your strongest points. Church, listen to me. Every time that you allow the devil to put a thought in your mind, to put hatred in your heart, to steal away love and joy because of your circumstances, you've retreated. You've retreated in front of a beaten enemy. Jesus has already conquered all that. Don't allow the devil to have a foothold. Hey, just like in the Garden of Eden, Satan's greatest tool is doubt. His greatest tool is doubt. There's this new phenomenon that's kind of happened in our culture where everybody feels like they need to have a concealed carry permit, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm not, I'm not against it. I think it's great. I grew up around guns my whole life. You know, my, my grandfather owned the second oldest skeet field in North Carolina, and I was shooting a shotgun by the time I was four years old. Okay? I've been around guns my whole life. To me, they were just a way of life. But, but there's been this movement, right, where everybody wants to go get a concealed carry. Okay? They carry their, their pistol with them. And, and that's great. But I want you to understand something. Every time, you, you may feel protected. You may feel like if somebody breaks in your house, you're able to protect your house. Can I tell you, the devil's not going to attack you like that. The devil's not going to kick the door down and say, draw. He's not going to do that. Let me tell you what the devil's going to do. He's going to show up on your doorstep, and he's going to knock. And he's going to keep knocking. And he's going to keep knocking until you put your guard down and you open the door that much. That's all he needs. That's all he needs. He doesn't need you to open the door and invite him in to stay and have a meal and watch, watch a movie. He doesn't need that. He just needs you to crack the door. For some of us, he just needs you to come to the door and look through that little eye hole. 
He's got you then. Just like in the Garden of Eden, all the serpent did was give Adam and Eve just a little bit of doubt. Doubt, church, is a faith killer. Doubt's what allows you to lean your ear in and start listening to the voice of the enemy. Church, quit listening to the voice of the enemy. Second thing, let's look at verse 5. Then he lay down under the bush. See, he's in the wilderness now, okay? He lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate, drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. We got to quit listening to the voice of the enemy. And the second thing we got to do is, church, we got to learn to embrace the wilderness. We got to learn to embrace the wilderness because only when we embrace the wilderness will we be allowed to experience the grace of an almighty God. Let me set this up for you. Elijah and God, God shows up on Mount Mount Carmel, and, and, and that God's going to be the God of the, of the children of Israel. Jezebel throws out her, her, uh, her deal towards Elijah, the, her threat. He takes off running. Now, there was work left to do, but Elijah ran from it. And not only does he run, he goes to a place called Beersheba. Beersheba was 100 miles in the opposite direction. Now, just a little history here. Beersheba was, was a, a very well-known place in Jewish history. Okay? It was where Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. It was, it was where Isaac dug one of his first wells. It was a place where Jacob, Israel, had offered sacrifices to God. The patriarchs of the Jewish faith all had a connection to Beersheba. And Elijah would have known this. It was a comfortable place. And he goes there and he leaves his servant, the Bible tells us. And then it says he goes a day's journey into the wilderness. Into the wilderness. Now maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, I know what that feels like. I've been in the wilderness. Or I'm in the wilderness. Or, or you may say, preacher, I've been in the wilderness so long, I don't even know what normal looks like. Church, we've got to learn to embrace the wilderness so that we can experience the grace of an almighty God. Elijah's in the wilderness, and look at what he says in verse, in verse 5 through 8. He basically sits there and he falls asleep, but God comes to him in the wilderness and feeds him. God knows there's no way he can make this journey unless he eats and gets strength and rests. <clears throat> God goes to the wilderness to meet Elijah. And, and I, I, got, I want to share something with you. This is my favorite part of the story. I love the wilderness. I hope you can learn to love the wilderness because listen to me. The wilderness is where we learn to lean on God the most. It's in the wilderness that we learn to put all our attention, all our focus on who God is because there's nothing else. 
You see, it's the wilderness. It helps us draw on our relationship with who God is. Church, without the wilderness, it's hard to know that you even need God. When you experience the wilderness, the last thing that needs to come out of your mouth is, why me, God? Oh, my. Why me? And the first thing should be, how do I get closer to you, God? What are you trying to teach me through this? Elijah is in the wilderness. In church, we must learn to embrace it. Hey, listen, Moses wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. He wandered for 40 years because of the unbelief of the children of Israel. Elijah is in the wilderness. Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. If, if he had to go to the wilderness, who are we to be spared from it? Church, we must embrace the wilderness. I want you to look at how God treats Elijah while he's there. The Bible says the angel of the Lord came to him and said, wake up, eat. Elijah looks around, there's a, a loaf of bread baking there on some coals and a, a thing of water and he eats and he drinks and he goes back to sleep and a second time God comes to him and says, hey, get up, eat, drink because guess what? Where you're about to go, the journey's much too hard. You need to restore yourself. You need to allow me to feed you. You see, in the wilderness, we're so often, we're so quick to reject it. God, don't put me through that. I don't want to have to go through that again. Or I don't want to have to go through that new heartache. Or I don't, don't want to have to go through that loss of a loved one. Or that diagnosis. And we miss what God has in store for us. God showed up in the wilderness. And he spread out this table for, for Elijah to eat at. To let him know that he was there with him. Elijah may have went to the wilderness to die, but guess what? He walked up out of that place. He didn't die there because God wasn't done with him. Church, we must learn to embrace the wilderness so we can experience an almighty God. Look at verse 9. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. <clears throat> then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Sorry, the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? I'm going to stop right there. Church, if we're ever going to be able 
to have a, a living, breathing relationship with God and be obedient to God and be in God's will, we got to get out of the cave. We got to get out of the cave. Just like Elijah runs to the wilderness, he also runs to a cave. God meets Elijah in the wilderness. He's also going to meet up with him in the cave. Amen? Hey, that God's in the cave as well. And look at what the story says. Elijah goes in this cave and God comes to him and he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? This isn't where you're supposed to be. You ever had that conversation with God before? God, what am I doing here? Elijah probably looked up and said, hey, man, I'm in a cave. God said, I don't know why. I didn't call you to go there. I called you to stay where you were at. But it was too important for you to listen to the voice of the enemy. So now you're here in a cave, all by yourself, in isolation. So I'll come to you. And the story, the story goes on from there. God says, Elijah, come to the entrance of the cave. And this huge rushing wind comes through. And it tears the rocks apart. And then this earthquake shakes the mountains apart. And then this fire comes and consumes everything. But the Bible's very clear. God was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. But look at what it says. And then a gentle whisper. You know, I, I've preached on this message many times. I've read this story many times. And I've often wondered, why the gentle whisper? Like, like, if it was me, if I was God, <clears throat> I'd say, hey, Elijah, get your tail up out the cave. You got stuff to do. Right? Why the whisper? I'm going to show you. Tilly, come here. Y'all give it up for Tilly. That's my daughter. I'm going to show you why it's a whisper. Hey, Tilly, come here. I'll come to you. What you doing here? I love you so much. See, you use a gentle whisper when you're close to somebody. Even though Elijah had run a hundred miles away from God, God still wanted to be right beside him. I'm going to tell you something. There's only a few people I whisper to. One's my wife. I like to put my arm around her. And I like to whisper sweet nothings in her ear. I like to put my lips to her ear and go, nothing, 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 nothing. 
I can say that because she's in Ohio right now. <laughs> Sometimes I like to do like my grandma used to do to me, to my kids. I like to whisper some wisdom, you know. Like, Tila, get your tail over here. I'm just speaking, I'm just speaking. That's how you raise a kid right there, right? You see, you listen. But you know, one of the greatest parts about being a parent is putting your arm around your kid and pulling them close and telling them you love them and tell them how proud you are that you get to be their daddy. You know? Or when they're upset because they've fallen down or they've made a mistake and you've had to correct them. Knowing they can come into that fold and have that community and have that bond. And that's when you talk in a whisper. That's the good God we serve. The older I get, the more I learn that God doesn't always use the colossal and the dynamic to get our attention. Sure, he did the wind, the fire, and the earthquake. But none of that got Elijah's attention. It was the whisper. Man, look at how, look at how he started the Jewish, the Jewish bloodline with Abraham. He started with a baby, Isaac. And look at how he brought the children of Israel out of bondage and captivity. He used a baby, Moses. Look at how he paid for the sins of the world in a baby, Jesus. God doesn't show up and do the colossal all the time because sometimes it's about that intimate relationship. You know, I don't need somebody to yell at me from 50 yards away and tell me they love me. Man, I need some, sometimes I need them to put their arm around me and pull me in tight and say, hey man, I love you. I'm praying for you. Right? church, you will never experience that unless you get out of the cave. Elijah had to get out of the cave. Last thing, and I'm going to shut up. Look at verse 15. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meloha, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. We'll stop right there. Elijah was consumed with the voice of the enemy. He needed to learn to embrace the wilderness. He needed to get out of the cave. But this last point may be the thing that you need to hear the most. And it's this. No matter how many times we fail him, he will never fail us. No matter how many times 
we fail him, he will never fail us. You just saw it right there. The reason why Elijah needed to stay where he was at, God says, hey man, you know that miracle on Mount Carmel? There are 7,000 people left in that country that have never bowed down to Baal. They've never kissed his foot. They've never worshipped him. They're ready to experience what I have to offer them. And the only way they're going to hear about it is with you. No matter how many times we fail, he will never fail us. Listen to me, church. I don't know what you're in the middle of. I don't know what battle you're, in the, you, you're, you're punching through, what your experiences are. I, I had some people come up to me after first service and say, hey, preacher, that message was for us. We've been in the wilderness now for 16 months, and we don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but here's what we're going to do. We're just going to trust God because he ain't never failed us yet. Church, listen to me. I don't care how messed up you think you are. You, you may be here today and you may say, <laughs> Casey, I, I can't come to Jesus. If you only knew the things I've done, if you only knew who I am, if you only know, knew where, where I've been and, and all, the, all the, the, the sin and havoc that I've caused, can I tell you, I don't care. I don't care. Because when you accept Jesus, it's all paid for. This band's getting ready to, 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 to close this service out. Man, just like those of you who stood up and testified, man, praise God. I hope God continues to manifest himself in your life. And I'm so, I'm so thankful for what he's done in your life. But church, I, I, I can't be so naive as to think that there's somebody here that has work to do. Don't, don't stay in the cave. Don't let the voice of the enemy keep you in that seat. This altar's open. Come and worship. Hey, and if you see somebody come up, don't you let them pray by themselves. You come up and join them. That's what we do. That's what families do. Let them know that they're not alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being God. God, I thank you for the wilderness. I thank you for the love. But God, I thank you most of all for knowing that you never fail us. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for all that you do for us, God. And if there be one here, God, that doesn't know you, God, that you manifest yourself in their life. And God will give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.